thank you all for being here uh, this morning. Good morning, Merry Christmas to you. If you have your Bibles with you, I'll invite you to turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 1 this morning. As we look, really my hope is, I hope that you're already excited because uh, it is Christmas Eve, uh, by the way, if you hadn't noticed. And so I, I pray that you're already excited as you're here this morning. Uh, but I, I hope, my hope and prayer for us having this time, even it being a bit abbreviated, a little bit of a brief service, uh, is that we would make sure through singing some praises uh, to Jesus and through looking at His Word is that we wouldn't just be excited about Christmas, but that our excitement about Christmas would be anchored in Jesus Christ. And so that's my hope this morning as we gather here together. In Luke chapter 1, this morning we're going to be beginning in verse 67. Uh, we're going to look at what is often called Zechariah's song. Many of you may be familiar, uh, may have heard of the Magnificat, Mary's song. Uh, well, this is what is called the Benedictus or Zechariah's song. And uh, that's what we're going to look at. We're not going to look at all of it this morning. We'll see the first half of it this morning. And then if you're able, you can join us this coming Sunday and we'll look at the last half of Zechariah's song or this prophecy that we are given here. But if you would, look with me beginning in verse 67. If you've got a bulletin on the way in and you don't have a Bible, uh, if you'd like to read on paper, the text is on the back of that bulletin. We also have it on the screen for you as well. Luke 1.67 says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. I want to stop there for just a moment uh, before we work through all this text, or at least the text we're going to see this, this afternoon. It's hard not to say this morning. Um, I want to see what we're looking at here. So the, the text starts out and it says, His father. Well, whose father? It's talking about John the Baptist's father. So Zechariah that we're looking at, we're going to talk more about who Zechariah is Sunday morning. We'll talk a little bit more about who John the Baptist is uh, Sunday morning as well. But for today, what you really need to know is that Zechariah is a priest uh, who is the father of John the Baptist and who is given a special revelation. He's given this understanding uh, from, the, from God through the Holy Spirit and he's then supposed to deliver it to the people. So that's what this prophecy is doing. That's what he's doing in this song. He is helping us to understand something that God has helped him to clearly understand. That's what this prophetic word here is. So Zechariah, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit gives him this understanding. He is so excited that not only does he give the prophecy, not only does he uh, pass along the word, but he gives it to us in the form of a song, a song of blessing for God or about God. So look back with me at the text, beginning in verse 68, and we'll go through verse 75. That will be our text for today. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, 
to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So here, there are a lot of things in this text that if we were trying to exposit it fully, uh, that we would spend a lot of time talking about, but we're not going to do that this morning, this afternoon. I told you we'll be a little bit brief. So there are a couple of highlights. I want us to make sure that we at least see the main point of what Zechariah was prophesying about here. Now we'll pick up with verse 76 Sunday when he starts to talk about John and John's role and some things that are going to happen in the future. But here he's telling us things that have happened because Jesus has come. That's what he's explaining here. He starts out by saying uh, in verse 68 that blessed be the Lord God of Israel. What he's doing in the psalm form here, in a song form, is he is praising God and calling us to praise God as well. That's his hope here. He's saying you should bless God, you should praise God, you should worship God. And so immediately our question should be why? What is it that Zechariah understands here? What is it that God has revealed to him through the Holy Spirit that has immediately made him break out in song praising God and telling us that we should be praising God as well? And we're going to see it in two words in verse 68. There are two words in verse 68 that really help us to understand what Zechariah understood, the main point of this first part. And the first one is the word redeemed. Now, Redeemed is a really good church word, right? If, if you're like me, if you grew up in a Southern Baptist church, uh, then you may, as soon as you hear that word, you may start singing in your head, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Did anybody else start doing that? So when I hear that word, it's either redeemed, redeemed, I'm not going to sing, uh, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's what comes to my mind. But here's the thing. When you're talking in conversation over the next week or next month or two months or five years, just at work or just with friends or on social media, I want you to pay attention to how often you use the word redeemed. Right? That's not a typical language word. So what exactly is it that Zechariah understands here that God is doing for his people? Because that's what 68 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. So what does it mean when he says that God has redeemed his people? Well, a good word that we sang in O Como Come Emmanuel that would be fitting that we do use or hear more often would be the word ransom. Right? We understand ransom. A lot of us have seen movies where somebody's kidnapped and they ask for a ransom and things of that nature. And it's this idea that, that somebody is being held against their will and that they can't be set free unless a certain something is paid for them. When that is paid, they'll be free, but until that is paid, they're going to be held against their will. And that's what he's saying that God did for us. He's saying that God has redeemed us. And you have to think that Zechariah is prophesying this. He's a priest in Israel. He's a Jewish priest. He's talking to Jewish people. So when they hear this, I feel very certain knowing their history, that when they start hearing that God is going to redeem his people, and whatever he says things like in verse 71, 
that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And again in verse 74, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, that they probably would have thought, very likely would have thought about the Roman people here. Right? They are under uh, tyranny from the Roman government. They are oppressed by the Roman government. They may have thought of their ancestors who had been oppressed by Egypt at one point, had been uh, oppressed by the Syrians by, at one point. And they're thinking possibly that politically we'll be set free. We'll be redeemed. That God is going to set us free from the Roman government. That God is going to pay a ransom to, uh, to Caesar that will allow us to be free. And so they're excited. But that's good news, right? Whenever you are servants of somebody else and you're told that you're going to be free, it's good news. So I want you to think about this for just a moment. I want you to picture in your mind this idea of somebody being held against their will and then all of a sudden finding out that they're going to be set free. Whatever comes to your mind, somebody that's in prison, somebody that's been kidnapped, whatever, I want you to picture this. Somebody being held against their will and that person being set free. In just a little bit, I'll tell you I want you to picture that. All right, I told you two words. One other word here in verse 68. Very important, especially important word. Visited. It says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. So these two words are tied together here. They, there's visited and redeemed. These happened at once. They can't be separated. And here's what he's saying. Here's why we should praise God. Here's why we should worship God. Here's why we should bless God. Because not only was he going to set the people free, not only was he going to pay a ransom, but he was coming himself to do it. That's what Zechariah is telling him. God is going to leave heaven and come here in order to set us free. God himself is going to come and make this happen. And there are a lot of prophecies that this would have brought to their mind. They probably would have thought of Isaiah 7 with Emmanuel, God with us. These people probably would have thought about that. They would have probably thought about Isaiah chapter 9 uh, that we looked at Sunday morning whenever it tells us that uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. Right, and he's going to be the Prince of Peace. He's going to be the Wonderful Counselor. And he's going to be Mighty God. And he's going to be the Everlasting Father. And these things would have been especially exciting to them. God is fulfilling these promises. Zechariah even talks about that. The promises that have been made that he swore. Verse 73. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham. Talks about raising up a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David. So all these prophecies would have flooded their minds when they heard this and they would have thought finally God's coming and we're going to be free but now I know that some of you are sitting there this morning and you're thinking or this afternoon and you're thinking yeah brother I didn't come here for you to tell me a whole bunch of stuff about why Israel was excited about Jesus being born I really thought you were going to help me to be excited about Jesus being born now, that's great. That's great that Israel got set free. That's great that, that God was going to save them from the hand of the Romans. That's great. But what's it mean for me? I didn't get up and come here on Christmas Eve for you to talk for however long you're going to talk about Israel. And you say, well, I've never been a slave to anybody. I don't need a ransom paid for me. I've never owed a debt. Some of you think this morning, I've never owed a debt that I couldn't pay myself. Never. 
Some of you think this morning, I've never been held against my will. So, Rosette, get to the point. What, what does this mean for me? And the truth is, even if you don't realize it, that we have all owed a debt that we couldn't pay. You say, no, I have to call my financer. No, you owed a debt to God that you couldn't pay. What does that mean? What does it, and I'm, I don't have time to flesh out fully this doctrine this morning, but the fact that you and I and every person that's ever lived has sinned against God, what that means is you have broken His commandments. You have gone against His teachings. You have uh, decided to choose your way over His way. And when you've done that, even one time, you now have your relationship with God broken. And you are under God's wrath or God's punishment. And that is a debt that you and I in this life cannot pay. You can't pay that. And not only that, you say, well, okay, so maybe I owed a debt to God, but I've never been a slave. I've never been held against my will. But the truth is, Paul makes very clear in Romans chapter 6 that we all have, because when we sin, not only do we now owe God a debt, but we also become slaves to sin. We give ourselves to sin. You say, I've never been a slave to sin. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever done things before that you said, I don't know why I did that. Bad things, made bad decisions, done dumb things. I don't know why I did that. I just did it. Or have you ever done something bad and said, I don't ever want to do that again, and then later found yourself doing it again? It's because you were a slave to sin. At one point, the Bible is clear that before you were saved, or if you're not saved today, that you don't have the strength and ability to tell sin and temptation no, that it's stronger than you are. And you are, if you're not in Christ today, you are ruled by sin. You are a slave to sin. You're being held against your will by sin. And so now all of a sudden this text becomes not just important for Israel, but it becomes important for all of us because we owe a debt that we can't pay because of our sin. And we are slaves to something that we don't want to be slaves to because of our sin. And so when we read that Zacharias said that Jesus left heaven and came to earth to pay the debt that we couldn't pay and to set us free, now all of a sudden it's personal. It's personal. Point one, salvation came through the Savior that was born, through Jesus. That's what he says here. God redeemed us. God saved us by coming himself. So when God came to earth, when he was born, when Jesus was born, that was the introduction of our salvation. That's what was happening there. So God leaves heaven and comes in the form of Jesus, in the form of a baby. He lives a whole life and never sins. He never does anything wrong. He lives a perfect life and he still dies an atoning death. He died on the cross and took the penalty for all of our sins. The wrath that God was going to give you and the wrath that God was going to give me, if we're here this morning and we're Christians, the wrath that was going to be ours, Jesus took. Jesus took that wrath. Jesus paid the penalty. He took the debt on himself so that we could be made free. And so now when we come to him and when we call on him to be our Lord and Savior, our debt's taken away. Our sins are removed. Our guilt is gone. We don't owe God anything anymore. That's good news. It's exciting. There's a reason to be excited on Christmas. And not only that, but now when we come to Christ and when we accept Him as Lord and Savior, now 
Because we've been redeemed, now all of a sudden we're stronger. With Him, we're stronger than sin. And so we can be tempted and say no. Sin can try and get us to do things that we don't want to do. And we can say no. And so this is the story of Christmas. This is what Zachariah is prophesying here. Prophesying here. We should bless God. We should praise God. We should worship God. Because He came and visited us. And when He came here and visited earth and lived as a human, while He did that, He redeemed us. He offered us salvation. And so now when we come to Him... We receive that salvation and our sins are taken away and our debts taken away and we're free. So here's that, that picture you thought of a minute ago for those of you that didn't ignore me when I asked you to do it because some of you ignored me. But for those of you that didn't ignore me and you actually pictured somebody in prison or somebody being held against their will, this is what I want you to do for just a moment now. I want you to try, if you've got a really good imagination, I want you to put your face on that person. Because that's what we're celebrating here today. That was you. You were in prison. You were being held hostage. You were being held against your will. And the person that came and paid to set you free, that's Jesus. That's how I want you to picture that this morning. That's what Zachariah is telling us here. He came and visited us and paid our ransom when he did it. It just so happened that he paid it with his own life. And so there's a lot more here. There's a lot of things. It tells us, uh, as we read verses 70 through 75, we see uh, how the prophecies tell us that the, the prophecies about the Messiah were filled. How those were fulfilled, it tells that here. It explains that here. We're not going to go into it this morning. When we read these verses, it tells us how salvation from our enemies, how deliverance from those people that hate us, how that came about. We're not going to go into that. It tells us how the mercy that God had promised to the ancestors of our faith came. I'm not going to go into all of that. But I will sum it up very easily this way. Point two, if you have a bulletin, it's there. Jesus' birth brought many, many good things. All of those things, the fulfillment of those prophecies, that was done by Jesus' birth. Us being set free from our enemies, that was done by Jesus' birth. Um, the mercy that God showed, that was done by Jesus' birth. But the last thing I'll show you, and then we're going to go. Look at verses 74 and 75. It says, This was done. We were redeemed. We were set free. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. I want you to, to recognize what this is saying. What Zechariah is prophesying here, what God has told him to reveal to us, is you've been set free, but you haven't been set free just for your own sake. You haven't been set free to just go do what you want. You've been set free from sin so that you can serve and worship God all of your days. The language he uses here is very similar to language that Joshua used. And this would have recalled to them what Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24. And just write that down. Joshua 24, 14 and 15 say this. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What Joshua told the people that were set free from Egypt is, God set you free from Egypt so you could serve him. 
God gives Zechariah the same prophecy. God set you free from sin so that you could serve Him. Brothers and sisters, what Christmas does is it tells us how we were ransomed. It tells us how we were redeemed. And it also tells us why Jesus is worthy of all of our praise and all of our thoughts and all of our actions and everything that we do. Point three, the last thing. Christ has set us free from sin, so we should make him alone Lord. Joshua said, when you lived in Egypt, you worshiped these gods, but now you're free and you should worship Jesus. And I tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, we used to worship ourselves. We used to worship all sorts of other things. We used to live for all sorts of other things. But when you think about Christmas and you think about God leaving heaven, and when you think about Jesus paying the ransom and the debt that you owe, not because he had to, but because he wanted to, when you think about you coming to him and saying, Jesus, I, I recognize who you are and I want you to be my Lord and Savior, and him giving you a clean slate and him giving you power over sin, when you think about those things, I pray that that makes you think he's worthy of everything I have. I should give my entire life to Him. I should make Him Lord. And so I pray this morning that as we, this afternoon, as we think about Christmas, that we think about how worthy Christ is. If y'all would join me, let's pray. Lord, I am so thankful that when you looked down at us, that you didn't just say, oh, how pitiful. Oh, how terrible. Oh, too bad. Lord, that you didn't say maybe they'll figure out something, but Lord, you knew there was no way. You knew there was no way that we were ever going to be stronger than the sin in our lives. Lord, you knew the debt that we owed because we owed it to you. Lord, and you knew that. You knew how big of a debt it was. And you knew we were never going to be able to pay it. And instead of just giving us what we deserve, instead of punishing us like we deserve to be punished, God, that you left heaven and came here, that you visited us, and that when you did, that you paid the debt for us. Lord, you took the terrible punishment that we deserve for our sin. Lord, you paid the debt. You set us free. Lord, what a beautiful story this story of Christmas really is. Father, better than any fictional story we've ever heard, this true story of Christmas. I pray that we celebrate today, Lord, not presents and cookies and trees and lights. Lord, those things are enjoyable, but Father, you are not just enjoyable, you are worthy. So I pray we celebrate you, and we celebrate how you set us free. Lord, I also pray that we heed Zechariah's words and Joshua's words, and that when we think about how you set us free, that we also think about how worthy that makes you of all of our thoughts and all of our actions and everything we do, Lord, and that we live our lives to please you and to serve you and to tell others about you. Lord, thank you for the beautiful, beautiful story of Christmas, and thank you for this chance for us to be here together and celebrate it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.